guys, welcome back to Teen Muscle Radio and episode number 33. So today we are joined by Justin Harris. Um, now Justin is an awesome coach himself, alongside being a competitive bodybuilder with a wealth of experience in the field, both competitively and with clients himself. Um, he also has written for quite some time for Elite FTS, um, which if you're not following is a, is a massively superb resource of both video and written and content that I think that if you if you're not following that you really should be because there's some great stuff on there. Um, so I'm super excited to have Justin uh, for this episode. He's he's a guy with very minimal time, and uh, you know I really appreciate you coming on, Justin. So no, no problem, thanks very no much for this. Awesome. Yeah, no problem. Cool. So Justin, we are gonna get straight stuck into things. People will already know you. People, most people will know who you are. So we're, we're not even going to sort of shade over that. We're going to get straight into the topic. So today we're going to primarily discuss peaking. So the peak week, which is for anyone that doesn't know, it's the final stage of a, of a bodybuilding prep where athletes will try to achieve the, the best look possible. And we're going to discuss the variables that go into that and, and get Justin's take on things, which um, some of the things that I've heard um, in some of your protocols justin have been sort of very interesting and, and slightly different to what mm-hmm. some other people are doing which is awesome um and i always like it I, I get very intrigued and interested when people are doing some slightly different things um or yeah. measuring different variables it's very intriguing so um first of all can we just touch on where do you think people should be prior to peak week just to cover the misconceptions of peak week being a magical week where do yeah, you that- think where do you think people should be and just touch on that quickly well that's the problem is i think the internet's really kind of ruined what peak week is Mm. i mean you know people people think that they uh you know they that ronnie coleman at seven days out was you know 175 pounds and 12 percent body fat and then they do some (laughs) kind of magic the last week and you know or or phil heath or kai green they look like shit all year and then magically something happens that final week really if you're trying to do any more than about one or two percent, you're. If you're trying, and honestly, if you're trying to make changes to look better the final week, you weren't lean enough. Really, your goal should be like, oh, I hope I don't screw this up. I, you know, I wish I could step on stage right now. If you if you look like that at a week out, that's when you're truly ready. So, I mean, the, the, that's the the biggest misconception is that you're going to look dramatically different. Really, what you're trying, really what you're trying to do is when you when you're at the gym. And you've got a pump, and there's those nice overhead lights, and you look amazing. You, you know, at a week out, mm-hmm. you're trying to look like that on stage. And what that means is, when you when you're on stage, they have lights from every direction, mm-hmm. so you don't have those nice overhead lights. You got five layers of tan on. You know, that's like extra layers of skin, so that's like extra layers of fat. Mm-hmm. So you're trying you're trying to basically look as good as you do in the gym a week out on stage. And if you can do that, that means you improve that one or two percent. If you're trying to do more than that, you're really hoping for too much. I mean, every once in a while, you get a miracle and and, and someone, you know, comes in 10% better and yeah. you just take those when they happen because, you know, and, and enjoy it. But you can't, you can't bank on that. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure people will take away from this podcast and the information that we discuss is that you can you can never like quite predict a peak week. Like mm-hmm. the, the the advantage of experience and several peaks is beneficial, but at the same time, I think would you agree that every single peak you've ever done is probably quite different in a sense? Oh, that it's oh never yeah, the same? and that's the thing. If you're working with a coach who gives you the peak Protocol. week, yeah, <laughs> protocol and. 
and he gives it to you two weeks out and just tells you to run with it, you should run away because, <laughs> I mean, even working with the same person for five or six shows, you're going to do five or six different protocols, slightly different. I mean, there's some things that are pretty standard, but yeah, you mm -hmm. should never, when I send, I send a protocol, I only send the final 72 hours. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't do a whole, up until those 72 hours, we don't, we don't really, we, we, we plan everything day by day. And then I give a basic outline for those 72 hours, but we're in contact you know, constantly. And so and I really try to break it down almost hour by hour. Mm -hmm. And I actually have a guy that's competing today over here and I uh, just got off the phone with him. I, I, think, he won, I think he won his class, but uh, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we were still even this morning at 7 a.m. making changes, you know, yeah. and you know, based on how you look. And what I like to use is you mentioned different techniques. I like to keep things as analytical as possible. Take the guesswork out. Is it, you know, there's always going to be guesswork and there's always going to be kind of fine tuning and knowledge and experience that comes into play. But one of the things I like to use is testing blood sugar levels. Mm, and that's yeah. got a foolproof plan. I mean, it's not foolproof because sometimes blood sugar stays low. All that's really telling you is that you you aren't too dehydrated. Mm -hmm. But you do know that if you are getting too dehydrated, you're no longer able to take the carbohydrates up to the muscle. Mm -hmm. then blood sugar is going to start climbing because that those sugars aren't going to muscle anymore. And so that's either because you're too full, you're too dehydrated, or you don't have enough sodium. Okay. So it's still, you know, it's still one of three possible things. Yeah. But you can kind of, you can narrow it down because if you haven't cut sodium, you know that it's not not enough sodium. If you haven't cut water, you know that it's not water. So at that point, you just know that you are full, and there's no more glycogen to be stored. But you know, if you've if you've tapered water or done something like that, then you don't know if it's the water that's causing it or. Yeah. But I mean, it it does still give you give you a nice decent guideline to 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 start from. Yeah, no, for sure. We're touching on that method. Whilst we're sort of on that that method, there, do you get people to test or trial this before they they actually do it in peak week? So, will you get people to measure blood sugar levels on a refeed or something like that, just to gauge where they're at and how they react to things? To uh, we usually do it really the first one. It doesn't really need to be till Wednesday morning. The only time I would be worried, is, I shouldn't say. I some clients I have them test. It depends on what their uh, supplement protocol is. Yeah, yeah. Someone, yeah. Who's, someone who's a long-term growth hormone and insulin user is going to run the risk of having elevated blood sugar levels before going before we even start anything. And so, mm -hmm. someone like that, you want to make sure you get a baseline of where their blood sugar actually is. And so, if I'm working with someone who I know I know has done done those things for a number of years, when we start the prep, we'll have them test their blood sugar. Okay. And we'll actually try to get blood work done because I want to know what their A1C is, what their fasted blood sugar level is. A1C basically tells you how high your blood sugar is on average okay. all day long. Mm -hmm. And so if you if you get an A1C above about 5.6, that tells me that you're starting to get high blood sugar levels constantly and you're creating an environment where the body's not as good, not as efficient at adding muscle, not as efficient at burning fat. So we want to know that as early as possible. But for the final week, I don't have them test blood sugars until the the, the first Wednesday morning. Okay. Or, I mean, I guess 72 hours before they'd be on stage, roughly. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and I'm not 100% sure on this, but do you work with uh, natural or drug-free competitors? And yes. would you get them Would you get them doing this as well, the same sort of Yes, protocol? yes. With them, you almost, have, you almost have zero worry about. You know they're going to be within a normal range to start. Yeah. But it still helps to let them – it still – uh, I mean, we'll have different methods for if their blood sugar is high, we we have lim 
different methods to get their blood sugar back down. We can't use insulin, you know. Yeah. And depending yeah. on how, how strict the testing federation is, we might not be able to use metformin. Okay. Or uh, as far as I know, I think everyone lets, allows berberine. And so, you know, we still have certain things to help help use. Okay. But yeah, I mean, you're lim- you're more limited with a natural competitor. Yeah, for sure. But would you say it's more predictable in terms of the measurements that you take and knowing potentially what it was that caused that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the, with a natural competitor, you're pretty much, you, you you know, GH is out of the question, insulin's out of the equation, mm-hmm. metformin's out of the equation, and so you know it's either sodium, the, the wrong amount of sodium, the wrong amount of carbs, or the wrong amount of water. Okay. So it's, it narrows it down to three variables. That's the thing with naturals. That's probably why they nail their. They tend to nail their conditioning more. <laughs> you know, I mean, those guys get peeled and then fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, they they don't have. They're not trying all these crazy, stupid things to to to, to mess it up. So yeah, for sure. So I know how important it can't like it is when it comes to sort of the nutritional approach to peak week and how carbs, fat, protein, and sort of sodium, potassium, water all affects things, but. When it comes to peak weeks it, itself and training and cardio, it, what's your stance on a competitor uh, throughout their peak week? What would their training and cardio protocols look like? And would they, they change at all as the week goes on? It, it kind of depends. If someone, if, if I have someone who since four weeks out, mm. we've just been wanting to get on stage and they are peeled and dry and everything's firing on all cylinders, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't change much of anything the final week. I'll have them to continue car. I mean, if they send me pictures and they say, this is, you know, after meal one, I did fasted cardio this morning and they look ready to be on the stage and it's two weeks out. I'm not worried about stopping cardio. I'll let them even do cardio the, you know, the day before the show. Even. Yeah. Uh, but typically, uh, typically if I had a kind of a base standard thing, it would be the last cardio session would be Wednesday or you guys do most of your shows on Sunday, don't you? Yeah, Sunday. Yeah, that's about correct. So, yeah. For a UK competitor, it would be like Thursday morning would be their last cardio, okay. typically. Mm-hmm. And their last workout might be Friday or Saturday. Okay. But we'll, we'll stop training legs about a week out. Okay. Uh, and is that for sort of cell swelling reasons and just sort of... You know, honestly, it's largely because competitors get a huge relief when that <laughs> last leg training day is over. It's kind of a kind of a sense of okay the, the diet's almost over cool. and cool. It, it relieves, <laughs> yeah yeah it relieves it relieves a lot of stress and so mm-hmm. kind of the stress of knowing you'd have to put in another hard leg workout while you're already depleted and it, that that stress kind of can cause water retention and stuff and so i'm not afraid of having someone train legs a couple days before the show especially if we train them lightly yeah but i usually cut it out at seven days out just because it, it gives them a mental cue of okay we're in that final week legs are done Hard work's over, you know, I can, I, you know, I'm not stressed anymore. But okay. So we'll just do upper body the rest of the time. And we'll do really either, one one approach I have is I'll have them rotate chest, shoulders, and triceps. Okay. So say, say three days out, chest, shoulders, and triceps, all light, getting a pump. Two days out, back and biceps, all light, getting a pump. Okay. One day out, chest, shoulders, and triceps again, all light, getting a pump. Mm-hmm. And it depends on how hard the workout is. Because that's another option we have if their blood sugar is climbing. If their blood sugar on Friday is climbing, another option we have is to burn off some of that sugar through training. Yeah, yeah. You know, so especially with a natural competitor, you know, you know, it, insulin pretty much always works. But one thing you have to know with insulin is insulin also uh, it increases sodium reabsorption, so you don't lose as much sodium. If you're trying to lose sodium, you might be, you might not be. It's also a mild diuretic. 
So while, in, while insulin works for that meal, it creates a further diuretic effect, which means the following meal after the insulin wears off, the blood sugar can, can climb right back up again. Yeah. Where training doesn't have that. Training brings the blood sugar down and, and keeps it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I think I'm definitely agreed on all of those things. I think, you know, with, with cardio and the sort of keeping that in, I think when I did my shows personally, I did cardio the day of my show, but I think that was more from a mental point of view. I just wanted to be in the exact same routine. And I knew that I knew that I always looked perfect. I always looked great. If I, after my cardio in the morning, I look brilliant. So why, you know, why take it out? Um, that's actually, that's when you know you're in shape. Yeah. When you're going that final week and you're not, the guys that go that final week thinking, okay, I got to change this. This needs to look better. That needs to look better. That means they're not ready. Mm-hmm. The guys that go into that final week saying, I, I look how I want to look. I hope I don't screw this up. That That's when you're perfect. That's when you're really in, in shape. Mm, yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. So obviously carbohydrates play a huge role in the peaking process. So what would you say is your most commonly used approach or would you say that it fluctuates a lot between different approaches and what i mean by this is are you front loading competitors at the start of the week or are you more favorable towards a a backload approach where you sort of load carbohydrates at the end of the week um, and sort of give maybe rationale as to why you would use one or or the other more of a front load i suppose and the reason being is that you there's there's a couple different ways i go but the standard protocol is that you can't dry out and fill out at the same time. They're, they're kind of mutually exclusive. I mean, yeah. filling up means water is going into the body and into the muscle. Drying out means water is going out of the body. Mm-hmm. So you're really, if you're trying to do both at the same time, you're going to get, you're going to be screwed up, screwed up. So what I try to do is basically the first, depending on how large the competitor is and how depleted they are, we'll, we'll start covering up for like a Sunday show Thursday and Friday. Okay. And then Saturday, the, the goal would be basically to maintain that fullness. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is we keep the calories roughly about the same, okay. but we drop the carbohydrates and replace those calories with fat. We don't drop the carbohydrates to zero. We mm-hmm. maybe cut them in half, okay. something like that, and then we add, increase the fats to keep those calorie calories up. And there's something to said for a fullness that comes from fatty acid. Yeah, fullness. I agree. Yeah, yeah. so we, we do that. On, and then the goal on the day before the show, the Saturday for, for a Sunday show is – that at that point is when we're focused on actually drying out. Okay. And so we fill out first. Once the carbohydrates are in the muscle, they should stay in the muscle. Mm-hmm. And the carbohydrates, the glycogen also brings water into the muscle mm-hmm. and it brings sure. sodium. And as long as you're not getting too depleted in sodium or water, that should stay in the muscle as well. Yeah, for sure. And so Okay. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. So would you say that from a front load perspective or at least uh, yeah, that sort of approach. Would you say that's sort of a, a bit of a safer way to do it as opposed yeah, to sort of yeah. loading carbohydrates really, really late in the game? Yeah, that's a safer approach. And that's not, I mean, that's that's why I say every every approach is different. You really have to understand the client, how they respond to things. I mean, mm-hmm. if you've been working with them for 16 weeks, you should know how they respond to things. One of my best clients final week uh, was a, a client named Darren Dudash. And mm-hmm. we would we would actually have him eat a whole large pizza at about 4 a.m. the morning of a show. <laughs> And so that was the guy, and we would do we would deplete sodium before that. Uh-huh. We would get him completely dried out, and we just knew from from his from when he'd have a cheat meal and what he'd eat, we'd know that if he was really depleted, really de- depleted and dehydrated, when he'd pig out, he could basically drink, eat, pig out, and he would just keep looking better. So yeah, so we would do a totally different approach with him. Uh, you know, I've I had other clients that that 
Well, especially if you have a client who has something like candida, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's like intestinal, like a gut disorder where you, you, you don't respond well to uh, carbohydrates. You blow very, very bad from carbohydrates. It's like a fungal disorder. Oh, okay. Somewhat common. I think Matt Mendenhall, a famous bodybuilder in the U.S. who never turned pro, who was a top national competitor for years, uh-huh. he had candida. Oh, wow. And that's, uh, yeah, so that was one of his issues is that he, as soon as he tried to fill out, he would look watery. Mm. So if you have a client with someone like that, you can't, you have to take a different approach to filling them out. You have to bring the calories up some other way. You can't bring sugars into the gut or they're just going to get watery. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to carb them up through protein and fats, basically, yeah. which is, and you say carb them up protein and fat, that doesn't make sense. Well, you have to remember that protein converts to a carb also through gluconeogenesis. Yeah. yeah. But eventually, you know, if you eat enough calories, you're going to fill out. Well, as long as there's, you know, a protein source in there. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, when you mentioned sort of like drying out after the, the filling out process, what's your approach to drying out with a natural competitor? And is there sort of any natural supplements that you would use or natural diuretics that you'd use with a natural athlete in that, in that case? I used to use a product I used to produce called Dry Shred, okay. which was a mix of a couple, couple of, Basic, you know, dandelion root or uversa, things like that. But really, really now, my favorite way with natural competitors is drying them out with uh, water manipulation. Okay. And basically a water taper. And that's one that's my favorite approach is not cutting sodium, not touching sodium at all, keeping sodium high the whole diet. Okay. Even the final week. I mean, when I say high, I mean consistent. Do you, Whatever. do you get them to measure it with like sort of the amount of salt they put on meals, et cetera, or if they're really worried, if, if there's someone who's been eating the same five meals for 16 weeks huh. and adding the same seasoning, the same hot sauce, and they know exactly how much they're adding, we know they're going to be within about a gram yeah. and I'll just tell them to, to do the same thing they've been doing. Okay. If they're nervous at all, maybe two weeks out, we'll have them start measuring how much salt they're actually putting on or how much hot sauce they're actually putting on each meal. Mm-hmm. We'll figure out the actual amount, you know, is it four grams per day, three grams of sodium per day, eight grams, and we'll keep that consistent. But for most people, most people eat, I mean, I know I use the same seasonings when I'm dieting. I put the same amount of salt. I salt the taste. I know what what I want it to taste like. I know how how much I sprinkle on. And so that's what I do. And so my favorite approach is to keep that in, have have them carb up, you know, for two days, basically, some level of severity you know we'll decide how hard we want to carve them up depending on how flat they are and how things are going how their blood sugar is going okay. and then we'll just taper water the last two days yeah that makes so sense. maybe cool 75 percent awesome. of water the you know at two days out and 50 percent of the water at one day out yeah and what would you do with water when it comes to the show day would you bring would you bring it back in would they sit throughout the day yeah, or yeah, that's blood sugar okay. actually i can tell you what we do with the client today we okay. found out he was the night before the show, he started getting softer. Mm-hmm. And you think softer, you think you're spilling over. Yeah. What's really happening is it's not really spilling over. It's called redistributive hyponatremia. You either don't have enough sodium or you don't have enough water okay. to keep all that glycogen in the muscle. And so the blood sugar starts climbing, and the body, the body's response is to pull water out of the tissue into the subcutaneous space, the extracellular space. And so you actually start looking softer. Mm. And so there's no longer blood in your veins. You lose all your vascularity and you start looking softer. And sure enough, his blood sugar started climbing. So what we had him do was bring water back in the night and the morning of the show. Mm. And he vascularity came right back up. He, he flattened out again. You know, while, while he was posing, all that pumping up and posing, he uh, got too dehydrated again. In between shows, his blood sugar got up to like 140. 
So his his first meal after was a high fat, high protein meal, low carb with like 24 ounces of water. Same thing. Blood sugar came back down. Veins stuck out. Skin shrunk, shrink wrap back up again. And so, you gotta you really gotta play it by. You gotta know what the changes are. What you have to see what what's going on and know how to fix the changes, basically. Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to the the loading days as well, now we're on the topic of sort of water. Would you prescribe a certain amount of water that someone would would be ideally drinking when they're loading, and and why would you potentially prescribe that and get sort of give the reason why people need to be aware of their water when they're loading? The more the really the more the better. You want to make sure you don't, you get enough. Okay. Two gallons is typically enough for anybody. Okay. But you never want to have too little because if you have too little, you're running the risk to to store glycogen. That's what we're trying to do when we carb up. We're trying to store glycogen in the muscle. To store glycogen, you need three things. You need carbs, water, and sodium. Mm. And so, if you don't have enough water, it doesn't matter how much carbs and sodium you have. That that carb, those carbohydrates aren't going to the muscle. So, the last thing you want when you're when you're carb loading is to not have enough water. Yeah, sure. I mean, you can get a short get away with a short period where it'll pull water from the skin, but that's a very very short period, and it's not going to last <clears throat> for three days. Mm-hmm. And so, basically, what we'll do is somewhere around two weeks out, I'll, I'll say, make sure you're getting you know two gallons of water a day. Yeah. And we'll keep that steady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wicked. Okay, cool. Um, another question on carbohydrates because I know that you work with some massive guys, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So, do you find that the bigger the individual, the more carbohydrates they can handle, or have you had sort of any instances where you've had a a humongous guy, but they don't seem to tolerate huge carbohydrate yeah. intakes? Brad Davis, the two twelve pro. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's a two two twelve pro, massive back, massively round. That guy could eat fifty grams of carbs a day and not get flat. I mean, he could eat fifty grams of carbs for for a month and he would still be full and round. And you give him too many carbs and he right away turns into a watery mess. So there's a guy who's who's huge, who's thick, round, who doesn't handle who who doesn't handle a lot of carbs very well. Uh, then conversely, I ha- I'm working with a guy for the junior nationals here. He was actually the T the T national champion last year in the U.S. Dumb, yeah. And uh, he's a guy who who's uh, he was a middleweight when he won the T nationals. He'll be a light heavyweight for the junior nationals. And his entire off season, we had him eating 850 grams of carbs a day. Jesus. And he stayed. <laughs> this is a this is a guy who oh, it seemed like an almost unlimited ability to suck in carbs. Yeah. You know. And so it really, I mean, it, as a general rule, the bigger guys can eat more carbs. Mm-hmm. But you find these outliers who. Who are, you know, little guys who can tolerate a ton of carbs and big guys who can't. But I mean, I've had, you know, really big guys go as high as 1,500 grams of carbs a day during their carb up. Jesus yeah. Christ. Do you, do you find people get, like, any of those big guys get a bit nervous when you sort of say you have to eat that amount of food? Do they sort of say, Justin, like, you sure? Like, do they get a bit nervous about having yeah, that amount? Yeah, sometimes. But typically, we, we, the way I the way I diet is at least one day per week. We always have a high carbohydrate day. Yeah. Okay, so there's cool. been at least a number of times during the prep where they've gone that high with carbohydrates. You know, they they've taken in that many, yeah. so they know how their body responds. It's not. We would never try something the first week that we've never done before. Basically. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. Cool. Um. So I've heard on sort of other podcasts and other approaches to peak week about the role of potassium. So do, what's your opinion on potassium and is there any sort of control or variation that you implement with potassium during peak week? 
The only time I worry about potassium is when a client's taking diuretics. Okay. Whether they're taking potassium sparing or, or potassium depleting diuretics. Mm-hmm. And I never, I'm not a fan of diuretics, period. But if we're using a diuretic, we're going to use a potassium sparing diuretic. Mm-hmm. And, 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 a lot, and a lot of things, and I don't see it as much as I used to, but years ago you used to see a lot of people who would cut sodium and then to replace those electrolytes would add in high potassium levels the final week. And uh, I remember that being much more common over here anyways in the U.S. in like the early 2000s. I remember a lot of people talking about that. Okay. You know, things go in cycles. But, yeah, no, as long as – unless they're – you know, unless – and also the, the – you, you have you, you have to know that what, what's in the foods you're eating. If you're carving up on potatoes – Yeah, that's what I was going to say. A medium yeah. potato is like 700, 700 uh, milligrams of potassium. potassium yeah. yeah, so you can really eat, very easily get – Sky high potassium levels, uh, you know, just covering up on potatoes, yeah. and so yeah, that's something you have to pay attention to. But yeah, I mean, no, I don't worry much about potassium. My primary carbohydrate for clients is rice, white mm-hmm. rice. Yeah, and the reason I picked that is there's almost no rice allergies. You know, if anyone has like a latent gluten or wheat allergy or intolerance that we don't really know about, or maybe the fiber in a potato skin they don't digest well. We never have to worry about that with white rice. No, there's no rice allergies. Everyone digests it pretty well, so that's yeah. usually my base carbohydrate. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't imagine carving up or, or at least carving up on a lot of carbohydrates with white potato. I think like every time I eat it, because the satiety index is so high, yeah. I feel like so full. My gut feels full. But like you said, with rice, I can eat like endless oh, bucket yeah. loads of rice and never feel like my gut is bloated or anything like that so So yeah if you're doing 150 grams of carbs from rice in a meal that's 30 ounces of uh you know (laughs) that's it's like (laughs) what's that two pounds of potatoes you know (laughs) so that's a lot of potatoes to get down we'll 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 do though that as a breakup if someone gets sick of rice but Mm -hmm. my primary go-to is white rice yeah no for sure okay awesome um when it comes to supplementation and we're talking drug-free supplementation here so just things like whey protein artificial sweeteners etc like that is Mm. there there's a huge there's a huge idea that you know that creatine etc should be taken out should be just to removed and not used during peak week what's your opinion on that and sort of you know would you have people remove their creatine or would they just continue to take it through and is there any sort of disadvantage to that ideally we would have them keep it in because if they're keeping it in it means that at a week out, they look so good and so ready that that we didn't want to cut the creatine out. You know, I mean, they, they if they have creatine in at a week out and they look shredded, let's keep it in. Uh, if there's any concern about holding water, I, I would pull it out. But with natural competitors, water water is almost never a concern. If someone looks watery on stage, it's really almost always fat with with a natural competitor because they just tend to dry out so well. I mean, they'll flatten out big time, and you have to worry about that. But drying out typically isn't a problem. Uh, and artificial sweeteners, I keep in. I don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't worry about it at all. I mean, you know, aspartame break gets broken down to phenylalanine, which gets converted to uh, uh, L-tyrosine, which is just an amino acid. You know, and it's microscopic amounts of it. Yeah. You know, it's a, you want to worry about the L-tyrosine in the protein you're eating. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't, I don't, I don't stress about artificial sweeteners. And you'll find, yeah, I mean, really, and the. the you run into the problem when you worry about those things is you could even argue potentially that those things might not be ideal. Mm-hmm. But when you start changing so many things, 
when you start adjusting potassium levels, adjusting sodium levels, pulling out artificial sweeteners, taking out creatine, when you, you, you're treating 75 different things the last week, how can you guarantee what you're going to look like? You know, yeah. only make changes that I know will make you better. Mm. We're doing we're doing A because we know A will make you better. It can't make you worse. Yeah. You know, let's not do A B C D E F G H I J K. Because <laughs> if we're doing all those things, how do we guarantee that every single one of them is going to make you better? Yeah. And so changing too many things, even if you could argue that it's better to drop something, when you change too many things, you just put the body in too big of a chaos. I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it all comes back to the same sort of thing that we discussed right at the beginning. It's like you know, vari- your variables or at least your control of the variables matters the most. So if, you, if you're if you changing so many different things, you can't possibly pinpoint things and say, okay, that was why this happened or that's why this happened. Um, so, you know, if you can keep things the same and you look shit hot keeping things the same, then that's going to be, that's going to be the best route to success. Um, exactly. Cool. So I personally have had some sort of situations, especially when I'm, really lean or I've got clients that are really, really lean and will do like a high carbohydrate day, so a structured refeed. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if we've been running, like say they're quite deep into prep, if we've been running like low days prior to that, we'll get almost like on the refeed day, a super compensation look where mm-hmm. they almost look like everything's pushing up to the skin and they feel yeah, tight. Right. They feel like yeah. really, really good. Have you ever had any instances peaking where, you know, you might load on the Thursday and then they get, they look incredible on the Thursday, but you have a struggle to sort of maintain that look. Yeah. And that's always, that's a, that's a coach's biggest nightmare because then you think, oh shit, I should (laughs) have did a one day carve up, you know? And at that point you, you want to keep looking better when you, when you nail it and you're still two days out, that's when you think, oh, you know. How, now we got to hold this and it happens and sometimes i mean the best you can do is you know the best you can do is take what you know from the prep take what you know from experience and, and take what you know from the client and make a best guess but there's there's especially there's kind of for men the weight range of uh anyone below about a light heavyweight uh you really run the risk you even light heavyweights a lot of times you don't know if they need a two-day carb up or not okay a lot of them can get by with one day and mm-hmm. a lot of them you know and so that's that's my biggest worry with especially like middleweights or lightweights. Uh, you, uh, I, I don't know the kilogram conversion. Well, you guys use pounds. And, and, we use uh, pounds. I use pounds. Okay, so you know anywhere from about one thirty-five to about one seventy-five for a male bodybuilder, you're you're in that range of especially when you get up to one seventy-five where half of them are going to need two days and half of them are going to be full after one day. Yeah, and so you really kind of gotta know the client and how they've looked if if you know on their high on their refeed days going going into that final week to make the decision because that does happen yeah and that's the coach's biggest biggest nightmare yeah for sure i guess i guess that almost puts me like so because i coach like i don't think any of the athletes i coach will be stepping on stage above 180 so that almost puts me in a good court because and i i can imagine like just logistically filling up someone who's above 200 pounds on one day is almost like just thinking about the amount of carbohydrates they might have to consume is almost That's impossible. the thing. When you're working with like some of the top big guys and they're 260, 260 pounds, <laughs> you, you know you got time. You, you can fill them up for a week and they're still going to have room, you know. So they're, they're I mean, they, they have their other issues. They're harder to dry out, but filling up, they're easy. Yeah. The, you know, the 150, 160, 170 pound guys are where you're like, you're, you really worry about filling them up because you can fill them up too quick, quickly, still. very easily. 
Yeah, no, for sure. Okay, so final sort of question here or topic itself. So when it comes to the actual show day itself, I know a lot of people get confused with how they should structure things, what foods they should eat, when they should eat, etc. So with your clients you work with, on the day, do you give them a structure of the meals that they're going to consume? Um, and how would that look? Would it sort of, would carbohydrates be higher at the start of the day um, and then sort of taper down to show? Um, and sort of any reasons behind doing that, I guess? Show day is really hour by hour. Okay. And we, we, I always do is in the plan, we give them a baseline pre pre you know, morning meal before prejudging. Our, our shows typically start about nine and the males go on pretty early. Mm -hmm. So I know they're really only going to have about one big meal in the morning. So we have a base plan that is our best guess will work. And, th and that's if, if he forgets his phone, if he can't get access to email, he can't text me or my, one of my kids eats my phone or who knows what happens. And, and, you know, and we aren't in contact with where at least we have this plan that we know will get us pretty darn close. Yeah. But yeah. other than that, we, it's really decided on a, on a, day by day, hour by hour, person by person basis. So I can tell you, my client this morning woke up and he was a little, his blood sugar was sort of normal, but he was too dry. He had no vascularity. Mm. And so what we did was we did a, a higher carbohydrate meal, moderate protein, moderate fat, and we, and we included quite a bit of water. Okay. And we, had, we included sodium. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, anytime someone has zero vascularity, we bring sodium and water back to him. Yeah, of course. And then... Uh, and, and then that, that's really, and we dictate carbohydrates also by what their blood sugar is and how full they are. If they're, if their blood sugar is below 80 and, uh, below 80 and they're dry, we can basically eat as many carbs as we want. The only thing we have to worry about is their stomach sticking out, but we can have a ton of carbs. We can have pancakes and water with it and you'll be fine. You got plenty of time before that, that all those stuff's going to leave the blood and go under the skin. Yeah. So it's really, I mean, I can't give a, a set answer. Of course. The standard protocol would probably be moderately hard carbohydrates in the morning, moderate uh, protein, moderate fat, just a basic boring meal. And then what we'll do backstage is we'll bring sugar. And I typically have them drink a, a sugary drink like a Coke or a Pepsi or something. Uh, sip on that with some dried fruit while they're pumping up. Okay. And yeah. really, honestly, that doesn't do much. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. people do are doing something, and they they think they're helping their their pump up, and mm. and you know, the, the mental aspect those last few hours are just as important as anything else. Yeah, so. I I think another misconception is that when people wake up on the set the the day of their show, they sometimes expect the carb up to make them look like shit hot in the morning. But yeah. in reality, doesn't everyone wake up flat anyway? Realistically, yeah. You've been laying on your back, all the water's under the skin, none, none of it's in your muscle. Yeah, and everyone panics. Yeah, and that, you got to tell them, you know, it's just like any other morning. You wake up, and that's how you look. You know, you you know, you know, go walk around, and blood will start moving. You go pump up, and blood will start moving. You know, the blood, that water will go back in the muscle. The veins will stand out. You know, it, it's so. It's that, trust it. Yeah, and that's probably, even, even trusting it, I would still say probably 99% of people panic. That, that morning when they wake up and look softer than they did the night before. Yeah. But it's just part of, the, part of the way it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, I think we've covered a really nice amount of stuff there. We've we've covered quite a few variables. Uh, I'm sure people will take away a load of stuff from this. So um, final thing I'd, I'd like to sort of let you have the floor for is just sort of 
anywhere people that listen and like this sort of can pick up more content from you uh, go ahead and mention it and i'll make sure to also link whatever uh, wherever you are uh, in the bio of this video below as well well the easiest thing if you want to hear me talking about these things go to musclementor.net okay musclementor.net uh and there's there's a whole free section where there's tons of videos of me discuss me and my uh one of my buddies brad hall who's also a nutritionist discussing all these things there's also a, a ten dollar a month or 9.99 a month us uh, membership fee where we go more in depth with things but if you i mean whether or not you want to pay for the members fee there's tons of free information on there we've got you know dozens of hours of video where you can watch forever you can also contact me if you want a prep coach at traconanutrition.com that's t-r-o-p-o-n-i-n nutrition.com or just google justin harris traconan or justin harris bodybuilder and then also you know i've written for elite fts i do videos with them quite often mm -hmm. uh, i used to write for muscular development i used to write for i mean i haven't written for i guess years now for a lot of places but yeah. Yeah, muscle, if you want more video type thing, Muscle Mentor is the way to go. Okay, amazing. Well, thank you again very much for your time, Justin. Um, I really appreciate it. And sort of, guys, any questions on these things that you have, leave them in the comment section on the YouTube video below, um, and we'll try and get back to as many of them as possible. Um, but thanks for listening. Take care, and see you for episode 34. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Justin. Thank you.